Wow, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. We have the whole team here, the compliment of this broadcast. And you, the listening audience, is more so the compliment because you are the teammates that are so necessary to make this broadcast go. Now, please take an opportunity to call in at 888-995-5552. Eric feels that you don't like him for some reason. No, he doesn't feel that way. I'm just joking. But please, take an opportunity to give him a call right now. He's ready to receive your phone call to set you up with your questions, uh, whatever question you may have about issues, about the Bible, about philosophy, whatever question you may have, things that are going on in your life, you want to know the biblical perspective. Is there one? And I even throw in there cliches or things that you hear in your music or uh, plays, just sayings, just words that you hear and you I'm trying to just get people to think about everything that they hear, everything they consider, to grab every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How can we do that? By considering those things that we hear and understanding what the Bible says about it. What a great way to live life. That's sort of a uh, Christ-central way, Christ-centric way, I should say. So please, take an opportunity to call in at 888-995-5552. Everything else, every other format we have, Facebook, Tweet, Messenger, or email at com website is Bible. Info Brokers. Bible Info Brokers for you to call in. But right now we're going to get back to the broadcast, but before we get to your questions, we're going to deal with a issue that everyone has to deal with. And if you have anybody in your life, if you really, seriously, if you have anybody in your life, like I've had people, because I hang around a lot of older people uh, in, the, in the various things I do in life. I'm old myself, but I'm not as old as some of the older guys I hang around. And when I say hang around, I'm very dear friends of mine for 20, 30 years. I've been dealing with folks that are my senior, uh, actually my father's age. I've always hung around guys that are older. There's some guys that are my age and the guys that are younger so I can take care of all three areas in life. And it's sort of a good circle to have very dear friends that you can talk very straight with about life. Because you know what? Life happens and people die. And because people die, have you ever had anybody, just think about it, anybody in your life, anybody your friends that you know from the standpoint of your conversation with them that they did not believe the way you believe if you're a believer? Or even if you're listening to us right now and you're an unbeliever and you don't believe in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you've been listening to this broadcast for uh, many, many years maybe and you're just not convinced that Christ is uh, God, the Son of God, and the Savior of the world. Well, you know what? People in my life have died with that mindset the best I understand it because we've had, I've had conversations with people the day before they died and they still were denying Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, Craig, you know I'm a happy-go-lucky guy for the most part, but this is one of the things that make me sad in life and well I should be sad, but does it encourage me to want to promote the Bible, his word, so people can get saved? The answer is unequivocally yes. So, Craig, help me and the listening audience understand the seriousness of what I experience too often in my lifetime. Well, sure, Daryl, and thank you. We don't want mean to be morbid, no. but... But it's not. But it's just kind of like retirement. If you live long enough, and most will, you need to plan on it. It's not a question of if you like it. It's inevitable. It's go, it's going to come to pass. People who are really young think, oh, it'll never come about. Well, I, I'm not in my 70s or 80s, but man, I'm not even in my 50s anymore. As I just mentioned, as we celebrated my family today, my dad's 94th birthday. Mm-hmm. And so he and he lived through world, end of World War II, through Korean War, and through Vietnam. And so it's, he's amazed to be alive. But on the other hand, this last week we it was the two year anniversary of the killing of, of one of my sons. He was only yes. sixteen. And so, I mean, there's the contrast. My dad lived to be ninety four and lived through three major wars, and one of my sons only lived to be sixteen. Mm. So uh, I, the, the, the lesson to me is be prepared to meet your maker, folks. Yes. Um, it, it, the Bible talks about an, an individual who does very well and builds barns to hold all of his crops, and he's basically wealthy, and he just says, I'm just going to kick back and enjoy life and take it easy. And God says, uh, your life's required of you today, and it's over with. And, and look, people listening to us right now may live another... Uh, who knows? It's, it's, it's possible some listening right now could live to be another hundred years. 
not too likely, but some 90, 80, whatever, you know, still from now. But some won't make it through this this year. I mean, through this month, uh, through the day. It's just we don't know, and that's reality. There's no guarantees. The only thing we have, Daryl, you and I have rightly said, is today. Uh, God gives you today, and that's all you have is right now. And the wise person settles with the maker, and that is... Settle. You can't sell your account. You can't offer anything to make it right. But you can trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. The God asks you, He demands that you own your sin, acknowledge it, confess it. That's what the Greek word homologeo means, to say the same thing, to agree with God that it is sin, it is wrong, that we're not perfect, to repent from it, turn away from it, and turn towards God and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you know, our, our passion, our plea would be that people be, would get right with God. Uh, yeah, enjoy life. Enjoy what God gives you. Uh, not being, you know, worshiping those things that he gives us and things we can do, like sports and other things we enjoy. Uh, but but living in light of eternity, because should the Lord tell you, we're all going to die. It's not if, it is simply when. It's kind of like, well, death is like taxes. It's inevitable. You're going to pay. And so, my friend, you need to be ready. You need to be ready to meet your maker, because uh, the, the, the foolish thing you could do is, well, I'll put it off to tomorrow. I'll put it off tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You may not be here tomorrow. It's that simple, and you know it. Get right with God right now. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Acknowledge your need for him and for forgiveness. Ask God for the gift of forgiveness, the gift of Jesus Christ himself, and that God would forgive you. And, Get into a good Bible-teaching, believing church. Again, as we say, that doesn't save you, but it'll sure help you grow as a Christian and understand what you were saved from and what you were saved unto, what you were delivered from and what God's delivered you to, and what is the hope, what is the confident expectation we have as believers. But it's, in my humble opinion, it's just, this is the day. It's time to get right with God. It was today, Daryl, I'll just say this last thing. There were some teams that were supposed to win today, and they lost. It was a day of reckoning. In other words, you can talk about it, and we try to predict things, but sooner or later, those things come to pass. And so there's obviously, I mean, not the most important thing, but for some people, I mean, their, their playoff hopes, they're over with. Well, more importantly, my friend, your life someday will be over with. You better be ready to meet your maker and make, meet him on his terms, not having be, to be judged by him. And today, today to do that, to get ready, is right now. Trust in Christ your Lord and Savior, believe on him, and know that he alone gives you eternal life. Indeed. And it's too long to be wrong about that eternity, Craig, as Brian so graciously says, week in and week out. Mm-hmm. Never mm-hmm. get tired of that expression. Never, ever. Because it's so, so, so true. So true. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two is the number. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two, Or everything else is Bible Info Brokers. The formats we have for you to send in your question on Facebook, emailing us at our .com website, tweeting us, or even messengering us. Bible Info Brokers. Brian, dare I go to the phone call? Well, we have a call. Why don't I do that? Amen. Yes. Let's talk with... Bobby and Carson, if this is the Bobby I know and love, speak up. Happy New Year, fellas. My it's brother. Good to hear from you. My brother. What's up, Mr. Retired Bobby? <laughs> just just trying to trying to trying to hit a hole in one, you know. <laughs> hey, hey, stay out of my game, brother. You know oh, better. I don't that. have any golf clubs. That's right, you don't. I have those. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, happy New Year to you all you guys. I hope your holidays were wonderful. They were, brother. Thank I you really very do. much. Thank you very much, well, Bobby. Talk to us. What's happening today? My question relates to, you know, I, I spent I spent twenty twenty one starting in the new te- reading the New Testament and spending some time to kind of study it and take my time in reading it and got through it and and wow what a what an amazing experience that is, um, but you know I I looked for and couldn't find anywhere where there was an explanation for the distinct the 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 circumstance of when we are when we are in heaven at the end of our lives here um, and we come before God 
and they're going to our our life's works are going to be examined. And my question is, to what extent? I mean, does someone who has performed great works are they are they in you know to to use an analogy are they at the penthouse of eternity while others are at the lower floors while others are at lower floors still and and then a whole bunch of folks in the basement. I mean, what to what end is there this examination of of our life's works when we are, you know, before the Lord, in, you know, at the end end of times? I like that question. Basically, you're asking about the rewards that we're going to have, or the rewards that we possibly will lose, or those things that are going to be examined by fire. I think that's what you're leading, uh, alluding to, right, Bob? Yeah, I mean, okay. why is one person's works more valuable than another's? And if we're all, if all of our <clears throat> sins are forgiven, why would there be that distinction? Look, I love that question. I'll simply say this: that the uh, the examination or, or the the one that's going to examine is, is will be flawless, and because of his flawless examination, some of the things that we do, Luke and Craig, we talked about this sometime. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Brian and Craig, but it's not just what we do, but it's the way we do it and the and then the intent of our heart. All those things come into play because I can guarantee you, I just examine my own self. I just told somebody about examining yourself to make sure you're in the faith. And then upon examining what I do while in Christ, some things are done with more fervor. Some things are done more earnestly. Some things are done uh, more um, perfunctory, if I can use that word. It's not done with the same enthusiasm I have in everything else. And that's just be, me being real about myself. And right, simply that, simply more is, ju- more is done. You to someone else. Say it again? And perhaps put you at a different level than someone else. And does that person get more of, of the joy of eternity with God? Or, and, you, and you therefore get less, even though you are more than someone else who now gets less of the joy of God, or, or what is that distinction? I yeah, I don't think it's the joy of God, as it were, but I definitely, well, I mean, you know what? It might be. Because, Craig, why don't you take over this? Because I have my thoughts about it. I want to find the scripture that I'm thinking of in regards to that the, the various things that we do, uh, uh, the various foes they talk about, 30-fold, uh, 100-fold, and things like that, will be as associating with your rewards that you will receive well, you know, the things that you do in Christ. I, I you know, I don't think there's a specific formula, per se, but I would say that the Bible does say that God is fair and he is just. And I yeah. think whatever he does, however uh, his honor system is, and so far as rewards, it's going to be fair and it's going to be just. But I don't know of any passages that basically gives a formula on how he's going to um, uh, reward uh, everyone in who, who who goes to heaven. I'll say this before, Craig. I will turn over to you, Craig. I do hear the Bible talks about people making it in by the skin of their teeth type uh, expression. You, uh, you know, you uh, those. In other words, um, the guy that um, the guy that was in First Corinthians five, I believe it was, that was having sex with his father's wife. Uh, the whole idea about what we did, how they judged him, how they should have judged him in the book of Corinthians by um, letting him go, what, for the destruction of his body, for the saving of his soul. And if that person was to die in that state, once he, say, repent and did not have any so-called works or that after that, then I think, like Brian said, this fair, loving trust in just God, there is going to be distinctions in there, but it's still going to be heaven. That's the key for That's my understanding. Craig. Well, sure. Hey, Bobby, good to hear from you. So, and likewise, Professor. I, likewise. Yes. Good. Thank you. Uh, yeah. As Brian said, we, we there's no formula, and we don't know exactly how it's going to work. But the concept is clearly taught. So, what the rewards are, and 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 what that, how that manifests, we're not sure. Um, but but it does appear. That, well. But I would argue, I'm going to say, could you use the word clearly, the concept is taught. Even Daniel talks about people shining as the stars of heaven, and there appears to be some aspect of, of the appearance of people that there will be rewards, and it will be very manifest. But, but, but this, so for example, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you know, verses approximately 16 through 18, clearly talks about a judgment seat 
for the believer uh, of rewards or not. So getting a reward for something, and as Gerald pointed out, the factors that would be used to determine that would be what you did, did you do the right thing or not, how did you do it, because you can do the right thing the wrong way, and what were your motives. And those are three factors that go into, uh, minimally into, in this case, what's a, what's a good deed. So God's going to look at, he knows all of that, what, how we did it, what we did, and what our motives were. Because two people can, from an external perspective, do exactly the same thing, and one of their motives and heart is right before God, and the other one's not. So someone who does it simply because they love God and wants to see God glorified, and they want to, to say, they give money to a missionary organization, uh, they do it to, so that the gospel might be preached in certain areas and people might come to Christ. But others do that. They'll do it so they so they'll get an acknowledgement. They get their name on a plaque. They get their name on a yeah. a brick in the building or whatever. And it and for them it's all about that re- recognition. Look at all the people who give money to universities and get, you know get their name on the building or whatever. They want something tangible for it. Well, right. we in a sense can get our name on the building, but it's it's literally the bricks which are the people of God. As he used language that Peter talks about, we are the temple of God. So again, for example, though, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 16 to 18, and clearly this is taught very clearly in 2 Corinthians 5, among other passages, 5 verses 7 through 10. Verse 10, it says, we must all appear before the Bema, B-E-M-A, but it's a long A in Greek, so it's pronounced more like Bema, as opposed to Bema, the Bema seat. And that was the seat where... That was the bench, that was the platform, the, the raised or elevated platform, literally, where the judges would sit and giving out rewards, for example, in the Olympic Games. And so that's the picture. So some Christians are going to be greatly rewarded, and some are going to make it. They're, they're saved, but they're going to have little to any, if any, rewards, as we're told, again, just alone in First Corinthians 3 and in Second Corinthians 5, 7 through 10. And so just let me say a few more things about that, uh, which I think we could safely say, and, and, and the rest is speculation, again, how that actually manifests, but it makes complete sense. So if I can say it this way, the base pay, because it's not pay, it's just a figure of speech, mm-hmm. salvation is a gift. So none of us are getting rewarded for that. There's no rewards there, because we didn't earn it. It was a given to us. If someone gives me a birthday present, I don't go, well, I really worked hard for that, unless you were being manipulative or something and trying to get it. (laughs) You don't, you know, you didn't earn it. It's a gift. But, but the reward, so the gift of salvation is just that. But there are rewards for service, and and, and rightly so, because some people live totally full full bore for the Lord. I mean, they may still have to go on vacations and have nice things, but they give a healthy chunk of their income. And some people give an outrageous amount of percentage-wise of their income to the work of God. And it's not that. They, they, they're heavily involved in ministry and uh, help feeding the poor or you know, preaching the gospel, whatever the case may be. Some people are really dedicated to serving God, some believers that is, and serving, and, and of course, the main way we do that is by serving others, both Christians and non-Christians. And other Christians are kind of lukewarm. You know, they're believers, they've trusted in Christ, but there's no urgency. Uh, they spend the bulk of their time, talent, and treasure on themselves. They know the Lord, they're saved. So why should they get the same rewards? They shouldn't, because some people, some people give their lives for the gospel, literally. Others... Uh, you know, they'll be lucky. We're fortunate they can cross the street to share the gospel with somebody. And so, and so there is a reward for our time, talent, and treasures, and how we've invested them. Brian mentioned earlier the basically the parable of the talents. And so, it makes complete sense that there are grades of rewards. Now, again, what exactly that is, how it manifests, we don't know. But I, but I believe from the passages alone we've cited, the concept's clearly taught. And I'm, I'm, I think of some people who work so hard to have nice materialistic things here. Again, not that they're wrong per se, but I know people have really nice cars, I mean, very expensive cars, and hey, nothing wrong with that per se. And other people go, you know, I'm not going to get a new car if they raise again. I'm going to put that money into an organization that gives out Bibles for free or, you know, some work that really gives God glory and advances the gospel, introduces people to Jesus Christ. 
So why should they get the same thing? The person who has all the creature comforts and lives a pretty pretty nominal Christian existence and a very comfortable life? Oh, the person who really is gung-ho for the Lord and really gives sacrificially, right? There's some people who give 10% of income, and 10% is nothing. <laughs> I have some friends, I know some people. Now, I'm not saying they do this, they give more than that, but they could give 10%, and it really means nothing to them. Okay, we won't paint the yacht this month. You know what I'm saying? Literally, they're that wealthy. And there's other people, if they give 2 to 3%, some single moms, man alive, they're going out without some things, and sometimes some food or other necessities, or at least the luxuries of life that others take for granted. So God sees that. He knows that. And he's going to reward that or not reward that. The person who might do something grandiose, let's say the church is doing a building fund, and somebody does it, but but with big fanfare, they give a fair amount of money. But they want everybody to know, they want a plaque, or they want it to be called the, you know, such and such wing, or, you know, chapel, or whatever. You know, God knows the score, and he's going to reward or not accordingly. And I, I'm excited about that, because yeah. I know it's going to be totally fair. However he does <laughs> it, however he divvies it up, it's going to be totally fair. We're not going to go, oh, you just... Somebody bribed the judge. That's you know, like some of those <laughs> Olympic contests. The judging's not fair at all. You're like, no, no, no. This is going to be completely, totally fair. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be jazzed to see what God does and how He does it, and recognizing people. And I, I'm telling you right now, I, I think we have in mind some of the people we think we're going to see them really exalted in heaven. I think there's going to be a lot of grandmas that most of us never heard of, and God's going to go. She was the super saint, man. This gal was praying for you. She was regularly yes. on her knees. She sacrificed to get her kids to school, to, to provide. To, she worked She worked and she worked at home. I, I think we're going to be amazed and dumbfounded. A lot of people who are celebrities in the Christian church and are, have high profile, I think a lot of them are going to be poor in heaven because of all the wrong reasons, and it's all about them. And they're, I feel like some of them are building their own kingdom, not God's. And I think a lot of these grandmas we've never heard of, oh, we're going to be amazed. God's going to go, this is my faithful servant. Look what she did. And he'll he'll share with them and or with us the specificity that he thinks is appropriate, whatever we need to know. Um, you know I think God's going to share. And I'm looking forward to it in that sense. Not that I think I'm going to do great. I, just, I think it's going to be cool, though, to watch how God does it and how he proportions, however he does the rewards. I'm excited about that. And, and I am too, Greg. I mean, I'm, I'm jazzed about it because, I mean, even when you explain how nothing to do with our salvation, like Ephesians 2, 8, 9 talks about, but verse 10, it does say that God has prepared beforehand what we should walk in as far as the works. So that what your work is, what Brian's work is, what my work is, what Bobby's work is, listening audience, what your work may be, is going to be different. So I can, like you said, Craig, it's not this so-called way we judge it, you know, by who have the most gold uh, wins or who has done the most things. It's in the intent of the heart where God gets right down there and judge the situation. I think the intent, just like we do in law, you know, to murder someone, it has to be a specific intent. I believe that rewards are going to be a specific intent, not crime, but rewards. Specific intent. Right, and yeah, and just one more thing on this topic. Um, I think of of of, uh, of God doing this is you know look how people work so hard for retirement or they look to have the, these giant houses or a mean really expensive house and the really expensive cars. And I mean something like a Lamborghini or a Bugatti, which you know can cost two three million dollars. I mean, and and they squander it all here. And I want to I want to know. I want to ask people just like if I was. I'm not a I'm not a financial advisor. I don't do that. Don't claim to be. But if I was a spiritual financial advisor, I, I would meet with my client, <laughs> and I would say, are you investing in eternity? Yes. What are you sending the head? Are you just, frankly, are you just living off all of your income right now so that when it comes time to retire, you're really going to really struggle? Are, are you sending the head? Are you sending to heaven, if you will, figuratively, <clears throat> if not literally, good works that you're going to get rewarded for that you can enjoy for all eternity? So I tell people, look, I'm as selfish as anybody. I just think it's foolish to try to garner stuff just for this life. I, I love really nice cars. I, I, when I was younger, I had some really, pretty nice, fat, really fast cars. And when I got older, just the family and my other priorities totally changed, and I don't have those. I still appreciate them, still like them. 
Um, but I had the proverbial, you know, champagne taste, but root beer budget, if you will. But but, but my point is, um, so what? You enjoy it for this life for how many years? I don't care if you live to be a hundred and you're really with it. I mean, you're a, uh, you die at a hundred and you're energetic and totally, you know, with it. You don't have dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever. But the person who invests in eternity gets those rewards yes. for all of eternity. Mm. And, and, and I happen to believe. Sorry, last point here. God's sorry, Brian. Step on you there. God's reward rewards program is the best. It doesn't need to compare dollars. Now, Craig, isn't there also the concept of uh, eternal judgment that those that don't go to heaven that there's going to be different levels of punishment? Sure. I would argue they're right, yeah. and it's the same. Anyone who rejects Christ and does not trust in God and does not have their sins taken care of, yeah, they're, they're going to a crisis eternity, they're going to hell, but there's levels of punishment there. And think of that. And of course there should be. Adolf Hitler, I mean, there are people, your neighbor, who didn't cannibalize anybody or wasn't a, wasn't a bad person by the world standard, but they never trusted in Christ. They're going to get the same level of judgment as an Adolf Hitler or other monsters of history? No, so you're absolutely right, Brian. So there's a corresponding gradation of punishment even for those who do not trust in God. That's why, to me, the, the wise person goes, Oy vey, man, I'm going to get right with God, and I'm going to live for Christ. By the way, I would say it's it's incredibly fulfilling. It's I didn't say it was easy, but living for the Lord is what it's all about. That joy, fulfillment, and contentment uh, comes in, in knowing God, walking closely with Him, and investing in eternity. And so I just don't get it why Christians are so short-sighted. And, of course, the non-Christian, especially the one who's like a hedonist or really into pleasure or you know, nice things. You're like, you're going to hell for all eternity. You might want to rethink this thing. Mm. And for the Christians who squandering everything on themselves right here and now, and hardly giving anything to the cause of Christ, you might want to rethink that. That's Seek ye first the kingdom. Investment. Seek ye yeah. first the kingdom of God. Yeah. And then all those things will be added. You know, in Matthew, we're reading the New Testament, Bobby, as you said, and you know, when talk about in Matthew about laying up for yourselves uh, treasures in heaven, not the ones that are here going to be destroyed by rust and all that stuff, like all those beautiful cars uh, Craig mentioned. Uh, go to a go to a, a Lamborghini uh, junkyard. Uh, see you see, that's there. that's why tra- uh, Craig tra- oh, traded uh, traded those for Hot Wheels. <laughs> but anyway, hey, Bobby, um, I, I don't know if we got any other. Their opinion about it other than what we said. <laughs> Bobby, you there with us? Bobby? Bobby's I'm not here. Bobby, Okay, I'm, I'm about to say, you don't get no break, Bobby. You don't retire now. You don't get breaks. Only no, no, Craig no, no, gets no, breaks. No, no. Come on now. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate it. No, it does give me some, some insights and, and some thoughts and and to further my studies. You know, because it just, it, I, I, I sincerely believe that on the downside, there's a difference between somebody who just doesn't believe and an Adolf Hitler or a Mao or a Stalin, yeah. right? I mm-hmm. mean, they've mm-hmm. got to be yeah. at different levels yeah. of, of hell, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And yet, on the on the upside, you know, I I just I I, I we're all gonna if we are truly followed in faith and we trust and believe in in God and and love Him with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our mind, you know, uh, with all our being, then. We're going to be there, but then that yes. distinction of the rewards, and I was just curious as to your thoughts on the rewards themselves, but like you say, it's, it's something that we will know when we get there. And we right. can be guaranteed that the, the person or the being that will be the you know executing the rewards will be just. And sure, that's, absolutely. I mean, we, I, if I talk about fairness, man, I want to see what pure fair, fairness is. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited to see that. And I just think, you know, lastly, say take two Christians who live in, let's say, SoCal, and they make almost exact, they make exactly the same amount, have the same house payment, whatever. And then one gets, they both get a raise. And one says, I might use some of this for uh, myself, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to earmark this money since I already have a comfortable lifestyle and I live pretty well already, especially compared to the vast majority of the world. Uh, many people live well, even according to American standards. But, but clearly, if you look at how the rest, of, much of the rest of the world lives, mm. you know, it's astronomical how much more we have. But so you have two Christians who have 
uh, make the same amount of money, same size family, all that. And one says, I'm going to, I'm taking this extra money that I make because I'm already comfortable and I'm, I'm pumping it into the kingdom of God. I'm going to support the, the Bible League and this ministry and this missions organization. And I'm going to, you know, I already have some time. I'm going to spend time volunteering for ministry and all that. And the other one says, oh, I'm just going to buy myself even nicer, nicer clothes. I'm going to get even more expensive watch. Yeah. I'm going to buy another expensive watch. I, I've already got 10 of them. I want 12. And they just keep going. And it's like, again, I'm not saying it's wrong to have 10 versus 12 versus whatever watches, Rolex or otherwise, but it, it never ends. And but, but what about the person who says, I like those things. Look, I appreciate those things, like fine watches and that, but I, I'm not going to spend my money there. I'm going to take that money, and it could be literally 10 Twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars for a top line watch or more. I'm putting into the kingdom. God sees that, and I believe He's going to rule if the motives are right. That's I'm glad you said that. If the motives are right, Greg, I'm glad you said that. Then God's going to go, "Hey, man, you had your rewards down there, buddy. You got it. Uh, Yeah, you're with me. I love you. You're in heaven. Get to enjoy all this." But He's got something special, and I don't know what the something special is. But I got to admit, I can't wait to find out. Amen. It's not golf, Daryl. Well, we already know what's going to what we're going to be doing. Maybe. Thank you. See, I'm not not worrying about Brian. See, I know what's up. Me and the Lord have good conversations about this. And Bobby, Daryl may uh, have the VIP. Thank you. VIP. Membership to the to the uh, you know premium golf course I mean, and and, and Bobby is invited. Bobby is invited. Or, you know, and and, and, and Daryl gets to hit from different tees. So. <laughs> <laughs> Love you guys. Hey, Bob, thanks for your phone call. Love you very much. Tell the wife and said hello. Take care. Bye bye. All right. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two is the number. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Everything else is Bible Info Brokers. So give us a call. Send us a question by way of Facebook, email, tweeting us. Bible Info Brokers. Bible Info Brokers. Brian, you know what, Brian? Before we take that question, let's go to a phone call again and talk with uh, Joanne in Los Angeles. Joanne, thanks for holding on and calling in. Hello. Hi, Joanne. You're on the air with us. Thanks for calling in. Oh, yeah. Uh, did they tell you uh, what the, my question was? Well, we have it written, but we'd love for you to go ahead and tell us what it is for you so we can kind of get your voice inflection on where you're going with it. What's your question for the night? Okay. Okay, I have a, a daughter-in-law, and uh, I was really upset with her, and uh, she she was delivering my son in front of me, and uh, that's to me. Now, jo- Joanne, I, let me interrupt I, you. Joanne, let me interrupt you because I'm having a little bit of difficulty hearing you. I am. I don't know if the other guys are or not, but um, either you can yeah. you just talk, talk. You're talking nice and soft, but it's just I need you to be a little bit more clear for, uh, if you can back up from the phone a little bit. Okay, well, my, my uh, phone isn't that good. Yeah. Okay. Better? That's better. And uh, anyway, she she belittled me. She belittled my son in front of me. Oh, okay. So, you know, and it really made me upset because you know she belittled him a lot, but I had no idea that she would do it in front of me. I thought that was the epitome of insult to me. And uh, she's just a mean person, you know. So I'm trying to figure out some kind of scripture. But I can tell her that it's not right to do that because now my son is sick and he's got a, a pain pump. So he's been depressed about this. And she's taking that out from her father. Okay. His father was me and his little mother, I guess. And now he's, she's putting my son in his father's, in her father's place. And that's what I think is going on. Okay, Joanne, so if I can if I can bring it right home to the question, are you asking a, it seems like you're asking a question in regards to when someone is treating someone badly or mean if as, as it were, how do we deal with it from a biblical perspective? Yeah. Okay. Right. Brian PCH. Well, I had real trouble. I did too. Yeah. Her question, your question but Daryl, I'm going to assume you summarize. I think she's right. Like, that's a summary of it. That's a summary of the question. Yes. So, and 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 
sometimes, of course, that's where I believe even the church should come in. So there's some people who are scoundrels. They're, they're scallywags in their, in their marriages, even though they're believers. Now, of course, they're not a believer. That's another matter. But there are, are some Christians who treat their spouses pretty poorly. And I think that's a place where to bring in the body of Christ. And that is how the church help out other Christians, uh, whether it's a you know, the husband or the wife, uh, to bring pressure to bear in the best sense possible. She's not a so, Christian. Okay. So, and but there are other ways as well, and 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 from counseling. Now, sometimes I know they just won't go. Uh, the one who really needs the counseling won't go. But I, I'm just—I got to tell you—I I don't believe in the power of prayer. I—I I, I don't like that phrase. There's no power in prayer. Prayer's not some magic, lucky charm or something. But God powerfully works through prayer. Prayer is communication with God. And I believe even the non-Christian. I, I think that often in our lives, we put up with things and we, we complain or we fret or, or, or we're hurt by things. And if we don't put hardly any energy into praying that God would change those situations, change the people. And so even for an unbeliever, assuming your son's married to a non-Christian, I'd, I'd have him, and, and I'd be encouraging him to do it, and I would do that as his mom. I'd be praying like mad. God, first of all, save this gal. You know, she needs to know Christ. Sometimes we just treat symptoms. We're like, we want him to stop drinking or getting drunk or whatever, and it's like, okay, but they don't know the Lord. That's the issue. And then, and then, uh, knowing the Lord, then Lord changed them. And so I just think we spend too much time. Not that you're complaining. I think your your questions and concerns are really legitimate. I want to affirm them. But what I'm saying is, though, but too often we just worry and fret. We don't put that time into prayer with the Lord and say, Lord. Get a hold of this person, change them, and I, I've seen God do that. I've seen people, I've seen God do that in my life. I've seen people pray for me, and I'm like, wow, I get, I got convicted about stuff that never really bothered me, and I realized it was sin, it wasn't right, and so I just number one is I believe in just really petitioning the Lord. This person needs to know the Lord, and Lord, they need to grow and mature, and especially when someone's really, um, well, we all really need the Lord for salvation, but. Some people are really pretty mean. I mean, they're pretty vindictive and or selfish or whatever. Some are worse than others. And mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say, God, bust them. You change them. God God can change anybody. He can work anybody down. I don't care how tough they are, See, how mean they are. They're no match for God. The problem is, the problem is that he's sick, he's sick now. Uh, I think he's got depression and he's sick. And he's got a... Uh, he's got a a pain pump, so he's in pain, and I just think what if he dies, you know, then what am I going to do, and, you know, and she doesn't believe in, that the husband is boss, she doesn't, she says, no, no man's going to tell me what to do, and so she says, so I don't know what to do, I want to be nice, but I'm really upset. Well, the, the, let me say this about this nice thing, um, you know, the, the prayer that Craig was saying, I think that the prayer is for God to change a person, yes. That ultimately, that's the, the one that can handle it 100%. But at the same time, you're praying for God to handle it. Ask God for wisdom and how to deal with it. You know, and, and God, and I, I believe that God, you ask God for wisdom, he said he'll give it to you. And the wisdom we need is how to deal with the situations differently. I, I'll never forget the time that... Um, I just became a cop man, and I, and I was at doing a basketball game, and um, my, um, my 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 uh, firearm and everything was you know locked up in the car, and uh, you know separated from the uh, you know it was properly done. But they had some guys that came out. I came out of the game, Brian, to go from one game to the next, and there was two guys in my car robbing my car, and I asked God immediately for wisdom at that time, and the thing God gave me to say, I believe, and it worked one hundred percent. What I told the people to run please run after I identified myself as a cop you should have saw those guys freezed up but the issue is I would have never said that in my own you know thinking or training like that yeah. I literally prayed for God at that time on what to do in that extension circumstance and I can I can give you a whole bunch of war stories but I'm not going to do that I just want to share that one that yeah. ask God for the wisdom on what you should do yeah, yeah you know what you mean yeah that happens yes yeah. Okay, Joanne. I just okay, but you know, she's 
it's been a long time, you know, so I don't know what's going to work. But I, I'm just worried that he might die, you know. Well, this very, very, okay. very sad situation. But again, um, you're not responsible for that. And this, this thing about you being nice, I think that's the thing I think you might want to ask God about the wisdom. It's not that you have to be some kind of a brute yourself, but ask God I for the wisdom. I did confront Confronting him. is fine. And, and you know what? I don't know if you heard the professor mention this, but whether the person is a believer or not, then if there's men in your world, there's men in your family, if you have a, a, a Christian uh, support system, get Christian men involved in that situation to come and deal with it as best and prayerfully as they can. Not being a sexist in saying this, but men deals with things a little bit different yeah. than women in regards to the situation. I confronted her, I confronted her, she said, to her daughter that, she didn't remember saying that, and I heard, and, I, and she did. And when she said that to me, I said, "You, sh- you shouldn't be saying that. That's not right to say that." You know? yeah. And then she got really upset, really mad, and she said, "Well, I have to go to work now." So, like, basically, kid- kicking me out of the house. I understand. I understand. You, know, you have to go now because I'm mad. You know, she didn't. She wasn't. I mean, we we went there to visit for like Christmas, and then she said that. So she was just mean and wanted to leave. Right. I left because I'm not going to stand there and have her be with my son. My son has like five five kids. He can, he doesn't he doesn't want to be a right. bad father. Well, know? Joanne, again, that's the wisdom we're going to have to seek from God and how to deal with that situation specifically. And please, by all means, can you just keep us posted if uh, if there's any kind of um, breakthrough? Okay, I will. Joanne, thank okay. you very much. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Guys, it's, it's tough. The vicissitudes of life, you know, and the, and the, and the Bible has answers. Uh, and it's always what Craig said. Craig, what you said, you can't beat it. Like you said, it's not the power of prayer. It's the idea of the reality of the God that you're praying to, the object, the objectivity of God working in one's life to change one's heart as he has to do all of ours. Here's what I can do is give the number out, 888-995-5552, 888-995-5552. We only have about 15 minutes left, not even that much, guys, but about another 10 minutes left to the broadcast. So, Brian, you want to get a question in by uh, Facebook or email? Yeah, Facebook. That's uh, from David. He goes, can you guys <clears> – let me open it up all the way. He says, um, can you guys discuss, discuss some of the errors found in the doctrine and theology of black Hebrew Israelites – do they have their roots in the Rastafari movement that Bob Marley was uh, famously a part of? Uh, they came across as being anti-Semitic. I also see them in downtown Los Angeles, and they seem pretty silly to me, but they're definitely teaching error and leading people astray. And that's from David. Craig, the, uh, excuse me, it's interesting they say they're anti-Semitic when they call themselves black Hebrews, you know, the black Israelites. Uh, Craig, we've talked about these guys before. Um, can you give about a, a three-minute response to this? Oh, that's- well, sh- sure, and I want to give some resources. In fact, we need to have our good friend, Dr. Jerry Buckner, back oh, on. That'd it's been be great. a while. That'd be great. He, he, this is one of the areas he specializes in with these guys and uh, Nation of Islam and other groups. <clears throat> So there's, it's not it's not cut from one cloth. That is, there's different groups that would identify with uh, the Black Hebrew or Black Black Israelite movement. Uh, even the name, they use different titles, um, and some of them are extremely profane. They they cuss like drunken sailors. In fact, they would probably teach drunken sailors a few new words. So. Uh, but they they teach a form of they deny the deity of Jesus Christ. Uh, they think Christianity is a white man's religion, so they, so they totally reinvent everything and who they think Jesus is and what it means to be Jewish. And certainly, by the way, there are people who are Jewish and and are black or dark skinned. There are many people in Ethiopia uh, who actually were Jews in other parts of Africa. So I don't want to sound like a, like. There's no possibility here. The problem is with the Black Hebrew movement. What they teach is uh, forms of, wor- of works righteousness. One saved by their good works, and it's a big but a heavy emphasis upon being uh, black and that culture, and 
interacting with and rejecting the quote-unquote white man's religion. They see, again, Christianity is for white people. By the way, last time I checked, Jesus would have been Semitic, so he would have been, you know, Middle Eastern, probably very dark-complected, dark hair, so on and so forth. But so... So it, it's a very broad movement, but they. But here's the point: they deny all essential teachings of Christianity, the Trinity, the deity of Jesus Christ, a salvation through Him, through faith, um, uh, so on and so forth. So uh, we really need to have Dr. Buckner back on. But here's another source: there's some excellent materials, a number of very good articles. If one goes to Apologetics Index, so literally it's Apologetics A P O. L-E-G-E-T-I-C-S index, I-N-D-E-X dot org. Now, it's done in alphabetical order, so you go under B, look under Black Hebrew, you probably can find it under H as well, and and you, you'll find that, and there's just some superb articles, a number of folks have really spent a lot of time interacting with uh, these various groups that go by uh, these types of titles, uh, but the Bottom line again is they deny all, all every single Christian essential Christian doctrine, and so what do you want to start? The Trinity, the deity of Christ, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, on the account of Christ, the, the resurrection, the body resurrection. You know they don't hold any of that. And, and, and all they, they even though they claim to be Hebrews, uh, by the way, they don't hold any Orthodox Jewish doctrine either. So list goes on, but apologeticsindex.org, look, go to literally, there's an alphabet, and then there's topics and groups that are assigned according to the alphabet, look under B for black, and you'll find a plenty of info. All right, David, hope that helped you out. 888 we actually only have about seven minutes left, guys, so let's go back to the phones and let's talk with... Um, Let's talk with Carol right quick from the city of Van Nuys. Carol, thanks for holding on and calling in. Um, hi. I love listening to all the history. I couldn't hear you last week. I was in the hospital again for four days, so I know all about being near death. I've had that full time mm-hmm. already, and three conditions could do that right now. Anyway, my question was, at the end of some psalms, there's a word, Selah. Um, I was wondering if you know what that means. It just so happens we do. It's actually, well, there's a little ambiguity because some of these Hebrew words are so old and there wasn't a dictionary, and so we had scholars had trouble figuring it out. But having said that, Carol, it appears that it's a musical term. Remember, the Psalms were to be set to music. So they're actually, of course, they're great teachings, they're lyrical, but Selah would be like a pause. So. It's it's like it's it's a musical notation that appears to be for a pause. So one is going along speaking or singing these, or in a type of uh, sing songy type of delivery, and then one would say la is the pause. Okay. So yeah, you're from going to bars. Right. Yeah, and of course you're referring to the word spelled S E L A H. Yes. So yeah. that's that's yeah. what it's a musical term. It appears. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Carol, thank yeah, you very much. And the prayers. So, um, and really quick, do you know why does the Catholic Church believe in purgatory? Because I've been in the Catholic Church my whole life, but I don't believe in that. Well, yes, the Roman Catholic Church holds to that because. They, you, you, it's important to point out they they believe there's three sources of authority: scripture. But but here's the point: if something they, well, let me give the next two: tradition and the teaching magisterium. So even if something does not appear in the Bible, it doesn't really matter to them as long as tradition teaches it or the teaching magisterium. Now they generally try to say, well, actually the Bible does teach it; you just don't see it. Uh, but but I've heard, I mean, a number of uh, aspects where they just say, look, it doesn't matter if the Bible teaches it. It's it, tradition, you know, some, a certain church council or tradition t- affirms this. And so from, I believe it's 3rd and 4th Maccabees, it appears there's a passage that basically teaches the idea of purgatory. These are called, not to get overly technical, the Deutero-Canonical, the second canon books. 
the intertestinal period, and they, we, uh, Protestants, which we are, we don't accept those, not just because I'm a Protestant, but because I've, I mean, I've studied this stuff. I don't believe they're legitimate. They're, they're not scripture. They have value, but they're not on the, the par with the Bible. And so it, they, they had this idea, and then they believe Third uh, or Fourth Maccabees teaches it, and they'd say, well, that's the Bible. But, they, but again, they say, but even if it's not the Bible, if tradition affirms it, and we believe it does, we believe it. And and lastly, among other reasons, they'd say, well, look, these pe- there's some people who are going to be saved, but they're not ready to go in the presence of God. They've got to get cleaned up. You can't just go in the presence of being such a filthy sinner like some of us are. You've got to get cleaned up. And so purgatory is where that stuff is purged from yes. one. Uh, so purgatory doesn't get people out of hell. That's a misunderstanding. But purgatory is a place where people are refined, who do are going through trials and what have you, all that that entails, to get them ready to be worthy to go in the presence of God. But one more time, we'd say no. That concept's messed up. The believer, the minute, the second you die, you're worthy to go in the presence of God because. God has given you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And guys, we're coming so, to a hard break, Craig. I've just been informed we have yes. 40 seconds left. Yeah. So, Carol, I hope that helps. So just quickly, though, so we, okay. we're worthy yeah. because of Jesus. So that's what's going on with purgatory. Thank and, you, Carol. And that's why we would not accept it. Indeed. Brian, quick, quick thought, final thought. Brock, sorry, call back next week. We get that uh, question answered. Eternity is too long to be wrong. I love it when you say it. Craig? <laughs> Life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Folks, invest in eternity. Get right with God through Jesus Christ. Indeed. Happy birthday, Mr. Hawkins. And on behalf of everybody in the listening audience and also the teammates, my name is Daryl Z.D. Fulton, Mama Grace, and Big Daddy's Baby Boy. If the Lord is willing, we'll be back next week with more of the Bible. Information Brokers with you. Thank you. <laughs>